uh, I went back to Newark airport the next morning at four in the morning to get Mm -hmm. on the baggage service line, which was Mm -hmm. an insane out of control monstrosity in and of itself. 7,000 bags in the bowels of Newark airport were being like actively sorted through. And like the agents were all just like, we think we'll have it figured out when to start putting bags on airplanes, like sometime next week and, and whatnot. Uh, somehow I literally saw a cart being pushed by and the cart wobbled half the bags fell off of it. And I was like, that's my bag from yesterday morning right there. And I was able to, uh, able to grab that, uh, returned, returned home as a hero solely for just being able to get like, you know, our entire summer wardrobe, uh, back from United airlines and threw it in the back of the car. We drove to Washington, D.C., spent a few days there, hit uh, Hershey Park and, and Hershey, Pennsylvania for a couple of days on the way back and, and okay. just got back in uh, late late last night. So that was an unexpected uh, twist huh. to the summer family vacation. But so you I'd didn't... like to think that yeah. we modeled, you know, for our children well not like getting taken away by the police at Newark airport. Yes. I can imagine that as patient as you are, John, I know that there is like a limit that once it gets hit, there is, there's really no reining it in (laughs) anymore. Uh, No, it's, it's go, I go, there's a gradual degradation and then I go off a cliff. Much like the Pirelli, Pirelli tires. Yes. Uh, Versus Gloria who um who may not have like she i think she reached her limit like when the doctor slapped her on her after she was born i think that was like yes the moment where that her is patients... a, that's a very accurate assessment right there my god what what a nightmare but also hey this sounds not too unlike the the events of the weekend um and by that i mean the luggage sorting uh the the thousands yes. of bags that the were being ba- sorted backlogs yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah. of yeah a careful <laughs> strategy to be sorted through yeah 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 uh shall, well, shall we yeah, just jump right into it yeah yeah let's go for it Welcome to the F1 Files. This is our Formula One podcast. We are a couple of fans just loving this sport, been best friends our whole lives and fans uh, our whole lives as well. My name is Corey Willis. I'm an actor, writer, improviser out here in Los Angeles, California. And this is John Lepore. I'm a creative (laughs) consultant designing the future for film, technology, and automotive. Perfect. Uh, All right. We've got uh, action-packed Austrian Grand Prix weekend yes uh we had a sprint race that i think many are saying may have been the best sprint race that we've ever seen i think uh, so which i think was was characterized by some some shifting conditions which can really spice things up make it more interesting Mm -hmm. and uh i think was uh, a good showing for the sprint format that seems as though some people are starting to get a little testy with the idea of the sprint format, I'm still yeah, not crazy yeah. about the way we're using the sprint for this. Like, uh, it's it's. I, I still think the sprint 
results should be our starting order for the race as opposed to just this completely isolated mini race like that just agreed it's just kind of weird weird to me but regardless sprint race action-packed and then full-on grand prix on sunday Mm -hmm. also had a lot of action maybe not the density of action that we saw during that sprint but i think there was a lot to talk about there as well yeah uh cory where where do you want to start what what was uh let's what was your biggest story of the weekend i mean the 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 title of this episode is going to be track limits and the austrian grand prix uh that's yeah that is the 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 title uh that was the second thing i wrote down while watching qualifying was oh track limits is going to be an issue this weekend uh and I don't want to spend like the whole podcast talking about that, but I feel like that's just that's the thread that's going yeah. to weave throughout the whole thing. So I feel like that's a good place to kind of start, which was the let's just go over the Austrian uh, Grand Prix is uh, at the it's nestled in the heart of Austria uh, and one of its biggest issues is that there's a turn nine, turn 10 combo, which are the last two turns on the track and they are not banked, but they are off camber. So the cars Mm -hmm. like inevitably because of their momentum get carried a little bit wide. And like they had all these things that they were doing before trying to fix it, trying to make it better. Uh, It was proposed that maybe gravel traps would go in there, but, because MotoGP races there, they were like, hey, we can't have bikes mm-hmm. running wide and going across the gravel because the wall is right there. Like, that'll that'll kill someone on a MotoGP race. Yep. Um, so there's this issue of like, what do we do? What do we do? They had sausage curbs there, but those things were like breaking the cars. And also, yep. they're symptomatic uh, of, of – there's other issues with sausage curbs uh, like you see – Max Verstappen's car ended up on top of Lewis Hamilton's car um, because of not even sausage curbs, just regular curbs. So these sausage curbs used to be able to send the cars like straight, literally make them airborne if people hit them the wrong way. So that was taken away. And now people are like track limits. Also, also you have to say sausage curbs. You do have talking about them. Yes. Yes. They, cause (laughs) they do just look like, like, sausages that are split in half and then just put in parallel mm-hmm. um perpendicular to the track but parallel to each other so like it's like rumble strips but inverted and they are giant yellow uh breakfast sausages uh so the that was like the proposal that they had they took those away and now everyone's like we need to have track limits be an issue the white line if you put all four tires outside of the white line, then you are technically off track, which makes sense. Uh, I was thinking about this on my walk to get coffee. I think one of the best ways of uh, defining or describing this or like using an, an analogy for people who have never watched racing, but who may be familiar with football, American football, is the idea of like you have to be, it's a combination of like you have to be both feet have to be in the end zone if you catch a touchdown yeah like if someone can lob a pass to the back of the end zone and you have to like drag your toes through the end zone uh to make sure that you are technically inbounds and then also 
same American football. If you've got the football and you're on a running play and you like run basically diagonally almost out of bounds, you'll see football players like put their arm out just so that their arm can make it over those little orange uh, pylons so that they're technically crossing the plane of the end zone. So that's kind of what track limits are. uh, And that's, that's like what they've now defined them as is like, you can have three and nine tenths wheels off of uh, the track. As long as there's one tenth, as long as there's like a sidewall that's still hanging over the white line, you're technically still on track. Now, ideally, there would be sensors, right, John? Technologically, wildly technologically advanced track, right? Yeah, sensors, uh, telemetry, accelerometers, and and whatnot. And you could even use, you could probably even do it just entirely with automated camera systems and and whatnot. Um, So do you know- I don't- the system that they have in place is it like an old guy in lederhosen with a clipboard like what it what is it that's one of the parts of this system okay so it's like multiple track marshals so, so it's step step one fronds step one fronds with a pair of binoculars perfectly set up like God. looking down the line of uh these okay. these turns so like just like binoculars up to their eyeballs the whole race so every mm-hmm. time a car goes by, they can like visually spot it and then make a note and then send communication to the stewards who then uh, send it up the chain to race control and it gets investigated. So that's one way. Another way is they have actual cameras. They have cameras set up so that people back in race control back in, uh, I think it's in Britain, yeah. uh, where like they're like base, like basically like mission control is, and they have a bunch of monitors and a bunch of people watching these cameras as well so you've got the guys with binoculars you've got the guys with the cameras they also have timing loops and if your car seems to be gaining too much extra time that like triggers uh an alert and then someone goes and looks at that lap and can like spot it Mm -hmm. you also have onboard footage for the cars you also have helicopter footage you also have like the fia cameras so they have like five or six different ways of making sure that people stay on track. Uh, Did you hear how many violations they had to process over the course of the race? Yeah, I heard, uh, I heard some number. Well, give me, what was the exact figure? It, I, we didn't get an exact figure, but it was more than 1200, less than 1500. So somewhere between 12 and 1500, track limits violations that were investigated over the course of the grand and i think the number i heard was that's out of like something like you know two thousand laps that were raced yeah basically yeah so it was it was uh more significantly more than half of the drivers on more than half of their laps were crossing the track limits or at least getting close enough to it that it needed to be investigated. We had a a record-breaking penalty take place this weekend with Esteban Ocon receiving a 30-second time penalty. There's like a bunch of great memes where basically people have redrawn what the track looks like according to Esteban Ocon. Uh, Alpine photoshopped... uh, a picture of Esteban like completely outside of track limits and then underneath it, like just like took his car and put it on the track and they were like, fixed it. Uh, so there's, 
there's some good fun happening with this, but also when uh, Aston Martin, after the race results happened, Aston Martin was like, hey, we had people watching these track limits. You need to go back and check this out. And basically, like, only five cars out of the 19 cars that actually finished the race mm-hmm. ended up not being investigated uh and investigated well they were all investigated but five cars were all those are the only positions that like whether they finished is where they officially ended up finishing uh because otherwise they changed the order around drastically uh so yeah that's just like a little that's that's the context for the austrian grand prix weekend um, yeah, I mean, irritating that something like this has to be such yeah. an impact on the race results and on the conversation surrounding the race. And in the document, too, the document that they yeah. uh, that they sent, they were like, the stewards were like, hey, we can't do that. Like, it was just fully like, hey, we investigated all yeah. these, but something has to change. This is unacceptable. So, sorry, what were you going to say? I'd now? love to see some sort of like, yeah, you know, automated sensor system and the drivers are just told in real time through a light on their steering wheel or something okay you've you know used up your three chances the next one your engine is going to be limited for five seconds yeah or something like that you know like you'll be forced into like yeah drs is disabled for you know the the next two times you're able to activate it or or whatever and just like have some sort of like penalty. I mean, we've already got things like uh, the virtual safety car, mm-hmm. right? That we're able to implement. This is something that I feel like could be handled the yeah. same way and maybe could be applied to all other kinds of penalties as well. So that these penalties can be worked out on the track yeah. during the race and that we don't ever have this nonsense of like, three hours after the race finding out what the results were oh it was like 9 40 local time in britain when they finally released the like actual results of the race which is i think the race finished at like 3 30 or something like that local time so it was like a full work day later people were like oh by the way the race that you watched wasn't really the race that was happening uh which it doesn't it doesn't feel good as a fan watching that however as soon as these people were told as soon as every driver was told they were going over they corrected their behavior even lewis who was yeah like oh boy uh i don't know if i'm gonna leave it in but uh hamilton rolled up uh uh early on in the podcast and started meowing quite a bit and i was like Yes, yes. I've heard enough of you this weekend, Hamilton. I've heard enough of you. That is... Yeah. Uh, God. All right. So uh, Hamilton was spending a lot of time frustrated and sassy on the radio. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I I can't stay mad at Lewis Hamilton. No, uh, no. I I, I get it, especially coming off of a promising weekend for the team. Yeah. And then being basically slapped in the face with the disappointment of like, ah, nope, we're still, we're not as good yet as I thought we were. Now, I think the moment that this <laughs> clearly came to a head God, I love it. was over the radio during the race. And I found this to be a, a borderline bizarre interaction mm-hmm. where 
Lewis, you know, having already been, you know, getting a lot of grief over the radio about track limits and being told that he was going to be racking up penalties. He came over and I, I forget what his exact words oh, I, were, but he was just like, I wrote it down please, please and it's been go, quoted go right all ahead. over the place. Yeah. Uh, he comes on the radio after Lewis is like uh, talking to Bono being like, so are any of these other people getting investigated yeah. for track uh, yep. limit um, track limitations? Uh, and Bono comes on and he's like, uh, yeah, the stewards have a backlog. They're just getting through them. Let's just, you know, uh, uh, they're getting to them when they get to them. And then <laughs> Toto comes on before Lewis can even respond to that. And he just mm-hmm. goes, Lewis, the car is bad. We know. Please drive it. And Lewis engaged the radio one more time for the entire Grand Prix. And it was just wow. to like check on tire temperatures. So it was exact, it had the desired effect. And I hate mm-hmm. that that happened publicly, but like I was to the point, yeah, uh, folks who listen to this know I have a little uh, earpiece in listening to radios, uh, radio communications from Lewis to Bono and the team. And I was like, I kind of want to take my earpiece out because I'm sick of hearing him complain. Yeah. So this was a really interesting exchange to me because it was, Mm -hmm. you know, Lewis was complaining about one thing and Toto basically jumped onto the radio to blurt out in front of the whole world. Like, yeah, I know that's not the thing that you're upset about and yep. you're upset about something completely different. And it like makes me wonder, like, does that mean like he's at like, you know, a, a giant family dinner and like, you know, his wife Susie is like, hmm, you know, the potatoes could use a little more salt. And he's just like, Susie, everybody <laughs> knows about you and the tennis instructor. Just forget about it. Now's not the time to bring it up. And like everyone else is like, Toto, she was she was talking about the talking potato. about What's, potatoes. What, what happened with the tennis instructor? What? Yeah, we huh? have we have other questions now. Uh, yeah, there was that did happen when when that radio communication came on. It became abundantly clear. And Lewis said this at like the very start of the Grand Prix. He was like, "This car is slow, mate." And I think it was like before yeah. he even started getting pinged for uh, for track limit violation well there was also a point where i think he was also describing that he's having a tough time like keeping the car within the track limits yeah yeah and that was and that was basically so that was like him he came on the radio and he was like this car is bad mate and then like a few laps later bono comes on and he's like hey we just got hit with track limits for the second time so you really need to keep it within and he's like i can't steer the car i can't steer the car i can't keep it on the track and that sucks it sucks that this is also i mean i love the sprint format for this reason because it disrupted red bull's ability to prepare for the weekend and that was like what we saw early on at azerbaijan and mm-hmm. everyone was like "Ooh, i think this is kind of an unofficial way to rein red bull in and then we got this weekend where most of the other cars like it that is not an, a factor it's just not a factor of uh of of any of this, because um, I do want to talk about Lando Norris's performance. Um, my God, Lando Norris! 
my god uh so yeah yeah this dude uh, and just mclaren in general yeah uh, the car the car seems to be turning around in a very serious manner yeah to and this is so this there was a combination of factors here um one just to button up the what happened with the mercedes prep i think that they just didn't have enough time to dial that car in they usually take the full practice sessions to really like ring every little bit of performance out of that car. Mm -hmm. So only having an hour to do that versus three hours plus like basically the first session of qualifying like Q1, they are still kind of dialing things in as far as like taking out wing or putting in a little wing or like whatever messing with brake balance. So they just couldn't get the car into the operating window, but Every other team did. Every other team, like, was fine. Um, specifically McLaren. Lando Norris shows up with basically a brand new car, like a B-spec car, similar to what Mercedes uh, showed up uh, to Monaco with. And then mm-hmm. he only gets 17 laps to, like, test out these new parts. Yeah. Doesn't do any qualifying simulations at all. Literally not a single lap turned on the soft tire for Lando Norris in that Mm. practice session. And then he comes in and goes like fourth, second, third, and then fourth in these qualifying sessions with like no practice at all. Uh, It was wild. I was just so impressed with McLaren. Um, Also the fact that they didn't bring any upgrades to Oscar's car. And it was, it's clear that the upgrades work for mclaren so oscar's gonna have it this coming weekend at silverstone and i'm thinking that my god uh if the mercedes upgrade package does not bring a few extra tenths they are going to be behind mclaren i also want to publicly say that mika hakkinen may have been right that the McLaren may be the car that starts to challenge Red Bull by the end of the year. Uh, so I mm. can't believe that that is actually what it looks like, but we'll see at Silverstone. We'll definitely see because Red Bull's really good at Silverstone. And if McLaren can keep up, that's going to be a problem for everybody. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, speaking of uh, McLaren and Silverstone, I saw uh-huh. uh, moments ago. Mm-hmm. They are going to bust out a semi tribute livery, bringing back the chrome treatment on the car, which yeah. which they had when Lewis won his very first championship with McLaren. And I think it's it's potentially tied in with the fact that like they're literally sponsored by, by Google, Google Chrome. Chrome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's kind of kind of a cool little twist. I wish they were more fully committed to it. Like the car is still like. They they specifically have shown photographs of it from an angle where you're like, oh, the whole car is chromed out, and instead it's just like one particular section oh, yeah. by the air box. But it does it is a, oh. it is a fun little oh little John throwback. They're giving the McLaren a chrome dome. It is a chrome dome, and I hope that they call mm. that car the Chrome Dome because uh, that is it's not just that it's like chrome it's that they have like yep. the letters the words spelled out on the air box yep. too um yep yep so yeah i hope i imagine I that ted, ted kravitz or david croft will start calling it the chrome dome soon enough um but i said it first so 
whatever royalties yeah 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 um all right all right uh let me we're we're kind of uh scattered all over the place but i want to i want to touch on one of my favorite moments Mm -hmm. of the the race weekend and particularly during the race which was seeing uh carlito and checo go toe-to-toe in the final act of the race or or around the beginning of the final act of the race and seeing carlos signs be i think more aggressive then I feel like we have seen him be on track. Oh, yeah. Doing that against a car that is outclassing him for sure. I know mm-hmm. Checo was under the weather and, you know, wasn't having his best performance in some cases through the weekend, although he actually was still doing really good. I think his 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 deleted times were stellar, stellar times. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he yeah, he couldn't stay within those those damn track limits. Yeah, he went out uh, in Q2 because he could not yeah. put a lap in. He put in one lap, yeah. and it was like his basic like warming up his tires lap. And then every other lap he yeah. tried to do in that qualifying session, he got hit with track limits. Uh, what, what, sorry, what were you saying? All right, so I don't understand for the life of me what is going on when Carlos Sainz is getting over the radio and is getting super upset, like as if he's expecting some sort of like penalty to be called for saying that Checo is intimidating him? He's like, it is just like, me. yes. Like, is what is what is he doing? He's not allowed to intimidate me like this. And like, I, I, my th- my mind went to like is there in spanish is there like a different meaning there of must the word be. intimidation when it's translated like is it because particularly there like, like degrees of intimidation uh yeah yeah i mean in the english language and even in like american sport yeah to be an intimidating competitor is something to aspire to is something that, you know, uh, Dale Earnhardt senior, his name was the The intimidator. That was his, that was his nickname. Yeah. And that was like, that's, that's a, that's a wonderful thing to have bestowed onto you. And for (laughs) Carlos to just be like, he's, he's like making me afraid and not like, you know, like it made me wonder if he meant like, is he trying to say that he's driving recklessly or something? I think But just so. to be like, he's yeah, I he's don't, making I don't know. me afraid that I'm not good enough to compete in this series, you know, yeah. like that. And he said it multiple times too. It wasn't. Yes, he, yes. He said it multiple times yeah. over the radio. Like, like not even in the same radio communication. He was like. Uh, yeah. he's intimidating me. And then like the next lap, he was like, why is he intimidating me? He's intimidating me so much. And I, yeah. so I think what was happening, cause I was, I went back and his of, car is too blue. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my car is too red. His car is too blue. This is intimidation. Yeah. Uh, I'm very embarrassed being, I'm the only car that's bright red. Yeah. <laughs> what? Every, it feels like everybody's watching me. Oh God. I'm yeah. Oh God. It's, it was, 
And his voice cracks a little bit too, just like yeah. naturally. Yeah, yeah. So he always sounds like he's either on the verge. He, al- of he always tear. has that like semi panicked, like sort of like like not like full scale panic, but has that like nervousness. Yeah, in his yeah, and the cadence of his speech, I... he he sounds like he's he sounds like he's a scolded child. There's just this weird mm-hmm. like the way that he speaks. There's a weird thing that happens, and then the language barrier and his, uh, you know, his accent just creates this very peculiar way of communicating that sounds that makes you want to just clutch him to your bosom and protect him. I, I, there's no other way of, of of saying this. Like I feel like he's my baby son, and he keeps skinning his mm-hmm. knee in the same spot, and I'm like. Carlito, stop it. Come on, bud. Come here. Get back up here. Oh. Um, so he, I, Carlito, you got this. You got this. You got, yeah. Come get on. back out there. Look, I know it hurts, but you'll be okay. Uh, but I think, so what I think he was referring to was the fact that when he and Checo were side by side, it looked as though like Perez was like juking a little bit to like kind of like turn into him to kind of make carlos uh flinch instead of like mm-hmm. picking his line through a corner it looked like perez was trying to like disorient him before he was picking his breaking points and i think that was what he was referring to um but there's nothing illegal about that like you can't you can do that it doesn't look great and it's definitely one of those things where it's like hey if you do that enough times your performance will drop off because you're using your tires too much so yep. it, it isn't necessarily like a good tactic to deploy at any point in the race, but towards the end of the race, when you have a dominant car, you have someone, I think Carlos was on tires that were older than Checo. So it was like, it was the perfect time for Checo to be doing these moves, but I do feel bad because Carlos does, he's my son and I don't want bullies I, going after I, my son. I, I mean, I feel like it's the perfect kind of moves now for any driver to employ anytime they come up around uh, Scaredy McSignes. Every single time, yes. Every <laughs> if it's like, oh, this this I've, makes him drive worse. Let's everybody do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. God, uh, I, I found that absolutely delightful. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, before we uh, before we wrap up. Um, and there's mm-hmm. probably a few other things to touch on. One yeah. thing I want to make sure we cover is the way that the race finished. Yeah. With Max coming over the radio and insisting upon pitting to get fresh soft tires to ensure that he could capture the fastest lap yeah. of the race. Yeah. Uh, him requesting that, the team declining and... I don't know if there was much exchange beyond that. And then they just came back over the radio and said, like, confirmed, come yep. on into the the pit. And which, you know, to me was a it's a ridiculously baller move mm-hmm. um, to take that risk of coming into the pits where you're yep. you're. Uh, and and to be clear, this was coming in to the pits, getting a perfect pit stop and coming out would take his like 24 second buffer and turn it into a two second buffer. Yeah. Uh, that's again, assuming that not a single thing goes wrong in the pits. Yep. And they, they did that. And I 
got, I mean, the impression that I got, and you, I want to hear what you think of this. The impression that I got was that Max requested it. The team, as you would expect, declined. Yeah. And then I got the impression that the team was just like, ah, let's go for it. Wouldn't it be cool if, and that the team endorsed yeah. his request without it being this sort of like thing that we've seen in the past where like they seem to be pressing each other a little too hard. I got the sense that the team obliged and that the team accepted that risk as well, which I thought was a particularly confident and bold move and made, you know, Red Bull racing a little extra. I mean, they're, they're always kind of like touted as like, they're like the bad boys of the paddock that play their, 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 their Euro techno music too loud and and whatnot. This is um, John is not like joking. This is literally like a complaint that happens every once in a while. Or people yeah, are like, yeah, hey, yeah. could Red Bull turn their music down a little bit? It's distracting. We're trying to hold a strategy meeting. <laughs> so yeah, it's not even like a this isn't hyperbolic. This is literally who Red Bull is. And it it put an exclamation point on them. Uh I I yeah. I yeah. think that this was uh, a a very a confident move, like you said, a very confident move. I wouldn't yeah. say it's cocky. I would say just overall. I I mean, we we've talked so much about Max and who he is, and kind of like his personality and what he brings to every race weekend, and especially in the communications with his team. Uh, I from what he said, he was like, "Oh yeah, I asked for it. I recognized." that I had a 24 second buffer and I just immediately like I took a tone and the team recognized my tone. And then that was just, they just decided to go for mm. it. Like he literally was like, they could hear it in the tone of my voice when I was asking for, uh, for if, if a pit stop would be okay. Uh, and they pushed back and then we're just like, you know what? He's, he wants to do this. Let's just let him do it. Um, and again, this is like, let the baby have his bottle a little bit. This is kind of what mm-hmm. Red Bull does. Um, uh, also, I want to remark on a couple of moves that Max Verstappen did that I think this is like kind of like the knock-on effect of. Uh, so in the start of the race, he and Checo, like Checo gets a better start off the line and basically goes into turn one and two ahead of Max. And... In the in the sprint race, in uh, yes. yeah, and kind of pushes Max out onto the grass a little bit, and mm-hmm. in the next turn, Max basically sends a move up the inside that he's never going to make. Like his tires are never ever going to yeah. uh, adhere to the track, and it's not he's going to slide. So this dude's got a ton of car control, and I think he knew that he would be able to recover it quick enough so that he wouldn't hit his teammate, but it would force his teammate wide. And yep. I think that was like a retaliatory move. People are like, oh, I don't know about that. Max is like so good in the wet. Uh, he learned karting in the wet. His dad used to give him like yeah. tires that were almost bald to simulate like what it felt like to have low and no grip. They would go to track days when the track was damp specifically to like have him on the razor's edge. So there's no way that he didn't do that on purpose and just know that like his teammate would back out because he is the number yeah. one at Red Bull. 
He also had a move earlier on in qualifying where he blocked Lewis Hamilton. And yeah, that basically created a situation where Lewis Hamilton was knocked out of sprint qualifying. And there was nothing done about that. There was nothing said. Toto said yeah. something in an interview afterwards. But this is all like, okay, it's water under the bridge. And like, because it's Hamilton and Verstappen, people are like, well, you know, I mean, oh, people are always looking for a story. But he like impeded Hamilton on a hot lap. And yeah, yeah, it was the team's fault for not letting Hamilton know that there was another car behind him, right? That he was impeding. But then, so that was an accident. That was an accident. It happens, right? Especially on that track. But then this track, Max knows so well, he knows exactly where to put his car in order to stop someone from gaining the advantage that they need. He knew where Lewis was in qualifying. Like he has like, we say a lot about Alonso having like, he's very conscious of stuff outside of his own race. Verstappen is the exact same way. Uh, And he uses that information to (laughs) intimidate and bully people. Uh, He uses that information to like, basically get around the rules and bend the rules. Uh, So I really didn't like that. That was like some like Verstappen being Verstappen. He impeded Hamilton and then he nearly like collided with his teammate uh, and forced his teammate wide and made his teammate lose a spot in the sprint race. And he had to regain the spot. So it's not even like it was like I retook the spot and now we switched off. It was that he... Yeah, it was. Well, it's also this is another this is another chapter to be filed into Max never forgets. Yep. Yep. And (laughs) we've seen it, you know, yeah, eight races later in a season, him being like, this was, you know, this was payback for that thing that yeah. happened in third period uh, when, yeah, when we were like, 11 years old. As you know. as I was trying to get to class, you opened your locker and, like, made me miss, like, the, the, the teacher closed the door and I had to knock on the door. And the teacher shook their head and everyone in the class smirked and I felt embarrassed. So that's why mm-hmm. I am driving you off of a cliff. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, dude. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well. You felt slighted, and now you're overreacting and over-revenging the system. Uh, the system? Over-revenging? That's not correct. Any of that. Um, anyways. It's all perfect. It it's is all perfect. perfect. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's get to the end here, Johnny, because I know we're, we're, we're kind of pressed for time today. Um, I thought that Carlos's pit stop, where he was double-stacked behind Charles, ruined his race ruined his ability to finish um as high as he could have uh definitely Mm -hmm. prevented him from being on the to yep proper return to form for scuderia pagliacci yep the the sad clown of formula one yep and even though ferrari looked really good this weekend as far as like race results the driver seemed like devastated at the end of the weekend like they had just another classic terrible weekend and it was actually pretty Mm -hmm. good I mean, Charles was second. He finished second for for Christ's sake. Like that's good. That's really good. Uh, yeah. Was still upset. Um, we got to say here, lap sixteen, folks. If you did not watch the Grand Prix, 
you should go back and just watch like lap 15, 16, and 17. And then also, what was it at the very end where Perez was battling? It was like laps. Uh, oh, there was also a Leclerc Verstappen battle. Real brief. Real brief. Verstappen yeah. briefly. Uh, I know. Yeah. Uh, I know. I know. Um, yeah. I know. It was not that impressive. Uh, <laughs> it was actually completely unimpressive uh but then the uh the signs and perez battle between laps 58 and 62 was just like yes spectacular truly incredible um and then i mean max just put on a clinic all weekend long it was uh yep we keep saying this and we'll keep saying it until it stops um but the Grand Prix and the Grand Prix week weekend was really, really fun and really, really wonderful to watch if you just removed one driver from the whole thing. If you, like, ignore what Max Verstappen did over the course of the weekend, this was one of the most entertaining Grand Prix weekends that I've watched. I mean, everything, the whole championship, the Constructors' everything. Championship, the Drivers' Championship, everything would be spectac- is spectacular from 2 down through 20. Yeah, yeah. But... Max does kind of make it not as fun. He makes it not as fun to watch. Uh, and that coupled with his like petulant attitude uh, really makes it unfun to watch because Lewis was, he was graceful. Like when he was dominating and mm-hmm. Schumacher was Schumacher was also like a jerk uh, for sure. He was definitely mm-hmm. a lot of people did not like him, including his teammates, yeah. but he was dignified and respectful to other people and like wouldn't just yeah it was just weird and gross um so i thought the weekend was very very enjoyable minus max verstappen i think this was one of the most enjoyable weekends i've ever watched uh start to finish mm-hmm. uh, definitely the most enjoyable sprint weekend um <sighs> Yeah, even with even with the track limits violations, even with those, I'll take it. Yep, I'll take it. Um, anything else from the race weekend, John? That you 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 picked up on or that stood out to you? Uh, I mean, there was there was a lot this weekend, but at this point, I'm eyes ahead to Silverstone. Yeah, an enormous weekend, an enormous race. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things unfold there. Yeah, this upcoming weekend. Yeah, there's there's so much. Um, I mean, we've got McLaren will bring more upgrades. Uh, Aston Martin is going to bring a bunch of upgrades. Mercedes is going to bring upgrades. I don't know if Ferrari is, I think Red Bull is done with their upgrades. Oh, we got to say Nick DeVries. I feel so bad for this dude. I feel so unbelievably bad, not just because of the fact that he's in like a slower car, and also not beating his teammate, but he got knocked out of Q1 and the spread of the field from first to Nick DeVries finishing last was eight tenths of a second. So it's not that Nick DeVries is like painfully wow. slow. It's that the field yeah. is so competitive that the people yeah. who are slowest are slow by less than like they're slower than like the top three by like half a second. And that's really impressive. That is really impressive because we don't have to deal uh, with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll counterpoint that though by saying that Nick DeVries has his own brand of intimidation <laughs> that he was yep. applying through the weekend. Yes, he does. Uh, particularly to to Kevin Magnuson and yeah. uh, and and a few others who were on the uglier side of Nick DeVries' yeah. car. Yeah. Um, oh, last but not least, uh, track limits like the ultimate like eye roll for track limits and the track limit violations uh, were when. Nico, uh, not Nico. Yeah, yeah. Nico Hulkenberg got a, a black and white flag for when he yes. retired his car. He retired his yep. car and like yeah, pulled yeah, off the track, yeah, yeah. and they were like, "Hey, you can't do that." And it was like, "You can't park there." So <laughs> 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 no, that's a no stopping zone. Uh, it was such a like, uh, guys. This system is so flawed. If you're giving. Black, if you're dedicating yeah. manpower to black and white flag a car that has retired, then maybe we need a better system. Maybe, my God. Um, yeah, and they were trying to figure out, like, it took them forever to get to all these track limit violations. And a lot of that was because when one person would have a track limit violation, they would, like, have to look at the lap prior to that, too, because that's the way this track is set up. Like they, it basically like negates two laps if you go out at turn nine and 10, cause it like, you go out at the end of your, uh, at the end of the lap and mm -hmm. violate the track limits. And then you also start the next lap off track. So that's one of the reasons why we had so many lap deletions. I think in the race itself, there were like 60 some odd deletions <laughs> of, of laps over the course of the race, which is why we Insane. had the, the, finishing order the way it was which we're not going to talk about here because like you can just go and look at that i wrote it all down when it happened but then several hours later it changed so it's inconsequential uh really excited for this silverstone race though john I, I i cannot wait to see what mercedes looks like i cannot wait to see what mclaren looks like uh and also max uh verstappen maybe he, it's just going to be nice to watch him get booed. He's going to get booed no matter what happens. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't condone yep. booing people, but I do condone booing Max Verstappen at the Silverstone Grand Prix, especially if he finishes yes. ahead. I don't condone him being booed or cheered if he like crashes out and is in like literal mortal danger. I did not condone that. I do not like that. But if like, yeah, he's on the podium and, uh, you know, few hundred thousand british fans want to go boo hiss go for yeah. it y'all. go for it i'm not gonna police that and i don't think the fia or f1 should either um and i'm sure lewis no matter where he is will like do the uh like the checo thing um where like checo was like tut tutting the crowd in mexico city when they booed mm -hmm. uh when they booed lewis uh i think yep. we'll see some of that action um yeah i'm excited john i'm excited uh, you do. You, let's do this. Do you have a prediction, uh, like a shocking prediction, for this coming weekend? Is there anything that like you think might happen that we're not expecting? Yes, I'm gonna say uh, midway through the weekend, Nick Devries is booted out of his seat. Oh, like he starts wow. the he starts the weekend in practice or something, and by you know. Yeah. By race day, there's somebody else driving the Alphatari. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Yeah, the yeah, Helmet Marco, what a what a real POS. Uh that dude just like said Christian Horner was right about he said he was right about Nick DeVries. Uh and also mm-hmm. said like Nick DeVries has a few races to get his act together. And that it's just such a but there's going to be something. There will be something silly that Nick DeVries does and uh yeah. and that you know, they're just like immediately get yeah. him out of here. I don't want to see him in the car, you know. Uh I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we may see Lance Stroll either finish on the podium Ooh. or within the top five because he mm-hmm. had a phenomenal weekend this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, he outqualified Fernando Alonso. I know Alonso's not great at that track, but it's still Fernando Alonso. Uh, so I think that Aston Martin and he's going to and especially after this weekend, he's going to have a huge groundswell of hometown love uh, yeah. headed in his direction as he shows up at Silverstone. Yeah, I think a lot of green. I think that's a good, good prediction. Yep, it's going to be a lot of green, going to be a lot of papaya there in support of McLaren, going to be a lot of Mercedes kit um, and a few uh, a few Ferrari fans sprinkled throughout, of course. Yes. All right, Johnny. What do you think? Do you think the stock went up this week? Do you? What do you? What are your? Abs- yeah. Absolutely, jam packed weekend. A lot of action. A lot of takeaways. Uh, yeah. a lot of fun stuff yeah. in there that sends the stock right up. Agreed. Agreed. I think the stock is through the roof. Also, it's F one's homecoming to Silverstone, so I think that everyone's like, yep. "Oh wow, this is the race." Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. I think the stock is up. Uh, where can the folks find you out there in the world, John? Uh, you can always catch me via my home base at johnnymotion.com. Corey, where can the folks find you? You can track me down on Twitter, sort of, for a little while longer, because I'm now on Blue Sky. Um, one of those people. Oh, hit me hit me with a Blue Sky info if oh, you got one of those bad boys. Yeah, I got you. I got yeah. you. I think I have to wait like another week before they give me one, but you are the first to get it john uh so there's that uh and you can still find me on tiktok uh as burn cory burn and then the f1 files on twitter still again for a little while uh and on tiktok and the f1 files pod on instagram uh yeah otherwise folks you're gonna have to catch up with us because we are going to make sure we catch up with you the next time on these F1 files. Oh.